What's going on, everybody? It's the Heath Mulligan Project for uh, June 22nd, 2020. Hope everybody had a good Father's Day. I uh, took my girls out to the uh, the driving range yesterday, and they hit golf balls for the first time, and it went about as well as you would expect. Um, it was so hot, we really could not enjoy ourselves. Like, it was unbearably hot. We didn't even, we got three buckets of balls, and I think we finished one of them. So, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. It was good going out there. And golf has been, uh, I've probably, I've played more golf in the last month than I have in the last 15 years, uh, if not more. Uh, so that's been, that's been really good. Golf's been a really good thing. Like if I'm just not feeling, it's crazy. Like if I'm not feeling well, mentally, physically, been going to play golf and it just kind of settles me down. And, you know, golf is one of those things. People say, you know, golf is just too frustrating or whatever. And like, it's giving me something to kind of improve on and I know I can do better and don't get too mad at myself at, you know, different, instead of like getting mad at a bad shot, I analyze, all right, why was that a bad shot? Did I raise my head? Was my, you know, was I set up wrong? So, uh, that's been really good. That's been a really good mental exercise for me. So that's, you know, my Facebook post last night on Sunday night, the 20th, I talked about being unhinged. I talked about mental toughness. I talked about anxiety. And that's really what I wanted to discuss uh, today. Um, one of the major causes of not just my anxiety, but a lot of people's anxiety is financial stress and financial uncertainty. Uh, obviously, when you're facing a long-term illness like Huntington's, a chronic illness like Huntington's, there's there's a lot of cost, um, a lot of financial cost involved in that. And then when you add in other things we experienced, other medical emergencies and and then you add on top of that, just me being stupid and dumb and, and not being wise financially, um, I found myself uh, in a bad spot, you know, just being in debt. Um, and you wake up every morning and that debt is staring there, staring you in the face and you're chipping away at it, chipping away at it, chipping away at it. And... You know, one of the things I had to do is uh, last fall, I um, called, you know, a couple of our credit cards and, you know, basically made a deal with them and, uh, you know, set up the payments and took care of it and, uh, you know, was able to, to pay off those credit cards, was able to pay off our, my car. And, you know, right now, the the only debt I've got is two sets of braces, which might as well be a car. Um, was able to save some money. Um, but I'm telling you, you know, the, these credit card companies want their money. And if you get behind, it's easy to get behind. It's easy to, to get, you know, get in, you know, above your head. And surprisingly, they will work with you. 
And so, um, and, and that's what I was able to do. I mean, they, they'll work with you. They will, they will cut a deal with you. Uh, now I was able to work it out where one of them, I took a hit on my taxes this year and the other one, I'll take a hit on my taxes next year. Um, so that's been a huge weight off my shoulders. Uh, I got one credit card now, very low limit, uh, very low limit. Use it sparingly, pay it off monthly. Uh, and it, you know, got no desire. You know, the only the only reason I got this credit card is being a pastor. I, I've never owned a home. I like I've never bought a house through the bank. Uh, the house that we owned that as many of you know, burned down. It was, it was kind of like a backroom deal. A guy had a house that he was moving and we, and we bought it and we, you know, it was, it was not through a bank. It was not through normal means. And so most people, you're either building credit to buy a house or you're keeping credit because you own a house. I've never had that, man. I'm 45 years old. Never, um, you know, uh, we had a home equity line of credit uh, on our house that we were using to fix it up. Different things. Obviously, we don't have that anymore. But I've never had a, you know, other than cars, I've never had, you know, a loan to the bank. I've never sold a house. I was meeting with a friend last week who, who just, um, he and his family are getting ready to move. And I said, how many houses have you owned? And they've owned eight houses. They've gone through that process of buying and selling eight houses. He's younger than me. And my mind cannot fathom that. Um, and I know that's a, I'm just in a very unique place uh, being a pastor. And that's one of the reasons we got the house, Karen and I got a house, is, is a lot of pastors get retirement age, they don't have anywhere to go. And you don't need to be buying a house at age 65. So I know that that's something I'm going to face. Uh, and so I know that I need to get my, you know, my credit rating up, my credit score up. Um, and so that, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what, you know, I'm working to build good credit and get back on track. Um, some of you are very wise financially and you, you haven't made the, the stupid mistakes and, and, and spent stupid money like I did. And so, but if, if the financial stress, I mean, so, Paid off debt, got on a budget, um, you know, started that emergency fund, got the emergency fund, and then, you know, this is the way it works. As soon as I got that emergency fund, I had two car repairs. Uh, we, we have three cars now. Had two car repairs I had to take care of. That's how it works. Uh, that how, that's how it works. And I had the money. But when I wake up in the morning now, I don't have that shadow hanging over me. Uh, and I think that's what, you know, a lot of our, our anxiety, it, it affects everything. When we talk about health and we talk about diet and we talk about exercise, I will, I will beat this horse to death. If you do not deal with your anxiety and your depression and your whatever you want to call it, inner demons, uh, character flaws, personality traits, if you do not deal with that, everything else is external. 
Exercise is external. Diet is external. You have got to allow. And again, man, you have got to begin with allowing the Holy Spirit to, for lack of a better term, repair you, fix you. We're all broken, hurting people. Every person on this planet is broken and hurting. Whether you're a Christian or not, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you're not broken, doesn't mean that you're not hurting. It just means you're not doing all that alone. It means that you have the Holy Spirit coming alongside of you. It means that you are bonded with a Christian community that's coming alongside of you and you're working through your brokenness. But what the church has been really bad at, man, I don't I don't want to go off on a tangent here. The church has been really bad about faking that we're okay. And, and, and Christians are not very good about being transparent with each other that we're all broken, hurting people. And every day is is a process of the Holy Spirit working to repair us, to, to restore that original DNA that God implanted in us and that God desires for us uh, to, to, to be the people that He created us to be. And it, it is a process. It's a journey. All of this is. And until, like you can do, I could have done, and I have. I have had a good diet before. I have exercised before. I have lost weight before. But at the end of the day, at some point in that process, it is not sustainable because I didn't deal with what was on the inside. I didn't deal with my anxiety. I didn't deal with my stress. I did not, I, I was suppressing my emotions. And one of the one of the things people tell you is it, it, in certain Christian circles, you're taught not to question God. You're taught um, you're taught just to kind of accept things and, and not wonder. And I'm going to tell you, one of the things that started helping me with my anxiety is understanding. If you read through the Bible, if you read through the Old Testament, there's a lot of questioning going on. You, When you read about Elijah, and he has just defeated the prophets of Baal. God has sent the fire down to consume the sacrifice, and they have killed all these prophets of Baal and Jezebel says, you know, puts out a hit on Elijah and said, far be it from me if you're not like these prophets of Baal that are now dead, that's going to be you. And Elijah goes and he hides in a cave and he basically says to God, hey, what's up with that? I've done everything you've asked me to do and here I am hiding in a cave and I just want to die. I am suicidal. And so if you are in a questioning place, you're in tremendous company. You're tremendous company. And I think when we don't quite... Now again, I'm not talking about being disrespectful for God. I'm saying that in that doubt and in that frustration of faith, man, that is where some serious 
growth happens. And when you learn to have the honest, emotional conversation with God, like right now I'm recording this on my way to work, and I've had conversations with God that sound just like this, where I am talking in my voice, in a normal voice, and sometimes it gets a little loud and sometimes it gets a little quiet, but it's me talking with God. And I don't just talk to God like this when I'm frustrated, man. This is how, and this is how I talk to God. So another, so again, you have got to figure out. For me, now again, <laughs> I, I posted this on uh, Facebook a couple months ago. I posted something about the Enneagram, and here's what I love about Facebook. Facebook allows people to be cowards, right? Yeah, it allows you to hide behind a keyboard. And I, I have done uh, some work on, you know, through the Enneagram. There, there's a, an app called the Ennea app, and you take the test. And it's just a personality test. And it was very helpful to me, and God used it for me. It's not the end-all, be-all. But it helped me understand myself. Uh, the the one that I use, it examines kind of like, what's your childhood wound? Like, what's something that happened to you when you were a kid that made you the way you are? And it made me do some really hard emotional work. Some really hard, uh, ask some really hard emotional questions. Some really hard examination. So I just posted about this. Hey, you know... I'm working on the Enneagram stuff. And then somebody sees that, and they don't comment on my post, but their post is, oh, the Enneagram is devil worship, and it's satanic, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure there's some people that for them it is. Like, they do take it too far. But for me, it was a very uh, helpful tool. tool. Um, so that's the Ennea app, and there's a free version, and I think I paid five bucks for the paid version and it allows you to save things and see more information and again it was very helpful to me but in going through that again my research into my personality type on the Enneagram I'm an Enneagram 3 and it, it describes me to a T and it helped me understand okay this is this is how I experience anxiety this is what's causing me anxiety so Threes are typically, man, I'm very ADD. So one thing that I've done, had to do the last month is when you wake up, the world is throwing everything at you. Satan's throwing things at you. There's going to be anxiety. You cannot completely eliminate it. But, uh, but you can't eliminate anxiety completely because there's a million things every day that you have no control over. So what you have to do is you have to determine the things that you do control. Okay? So for an ADD person, what do you know about ADD people? We're always running late. We're always hurried. We're always in a rush. Why is that? Because we'd like to hit the snooze button. Uh-huh. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, it's only going to take me five minutes to take a shower when really it's going to take me 10 minutes or 10 minutes to get ready. 
and you get up and and you hit the snooze and you hit the snooze <coughs> and instead of having an hour to get ready to leave you have 10 minutes to get ready to leave and you have no time to think about anything and you have already started the day out of control and that only adds to your anxiety and it adds to your anxiety so for me what I've had to do is I have had to write out and every day I go into Google Keep, I do a checklist, uh, and I, I make it every night. Every night I determine, all right, in the morning, uh, 5.30 to 5.45, I'm waking up and I'm drinking water. 5.45 to 7 o'clock, I'm exercising. 7 o'clock to 7.20, I'm in the shower. 7.20 to 7.40, I dress. I'm taking some time to sit down and drink some coffee. I'm taking my vitamins and I'm doing some mental exercises. I'm praying, I'm meditating. And at 7.40, I'm grabbing my lunch, I'm grabbing my book bag, and I'm out the door. And some days it's give or take five minutes, and and, and some days it's not. What I'm realizing now is like, I'm, I'm not doing a great job of getting out of the door by 7.40. So I may have to start getting up a little bit earlier, which means I'm gonna need to go to bed a little earlier. Those are things that I can control. And so now I'm able to have a clear head to record this podcast on my way into work. That's going to be another thing uh, off my checklist that I'm able to put out, hopefully, some encouraging content to you today. And then I'm able, when I get in my office, boom, I've got my checklist of this is what I'm working on today. And I'm going to tell you, the hardest thing for me about being a senior pastor is there's nobody, there's no, I mean, I wasn't a senior pastor, I was a solo pastor, and there was nobody at the office with me, so there was not a lot of accountability, if I'm being honest, and I had no clue. I Basically, when you become a senior pastor, you know you got to preach every week. And it, and it comes, every Sunday comes no matter what. And you talk about anxiety. But other than that, you know some of the things you got to do. But sometimes, you know, things happen during the week. And I just could not, in my brain, could not keep it all straight. I could not keep it all clear. I did not do a good job of that. Then you add on top of that being a parent, having a sick spouse... Having a spouse with a disease that every day you just don't know. And because I wasn't <clears throat> controlling the little things I could control. Wasn't controlling my budget. Wasn't controlling my debt. Wasn't controlling my time. Wasn't take, you know, I should have been doing this a long time ago. I mean, I can't imagine how different my life would be if I was getting up every morning and exercising and then by 7.30, boom, I'm ready, and I, I would have been clear-headed, and I would have been energized to be right there, care for Karen, care for my kids, care for my church, boom. And, and the option is, you know, you either lament that and you regret it and you beat yourself up, or, you know, 
uh, the last counselor I was seeing, uh, first session, he said, Heath, you gotta learn to cut yourself some slack. And sometimes I cut myself too much slack. And you gotta find, uh, you gotta find that happy medium. Uh, but again, for me, and again, I'm gonna beat this to death. Nothing is sustainable until you deal with your anxiety. Your diet's not sustainable. Your exercise routine's not sustainable because the anxiety is gonna grow. It's gonna grow until you deal with it. I, I still have anxiety every day. But now, because I have done the hard work, now I know the difference between an afternoon mental crash and energy crash and an afternoon anxiety attack out of nowhere. And oftentimes my anxiety is from um, a phone call I got to make, even if it's not a hard phone call or especially an email, especially like an email where I got to ask somebody for something. Hey, could you do this? Could you help me with this? Even if it's something simple, it drives me crazy because like, I feel like I'm imposing on people. And it causes a crazy amount of anxiety. And so you've got to examine your own life, okay? I would encourage you, whether it's the Enneagram or another personality test, you've got to do some of those things because you've got to figure out what works best for you. Life is not one size fits all. Everything I'm doing, I am doing what works for me. What works for me may not work for you. Because you may have a completely different personality. It may not be your thing to get up at 5.30 in the morning and exercise. You, you might need to do that at night. Maybe you're a night owl. Or, or maybe you've got a different work schedule. you got to do what works for you. But I'm telling you. You have to deal with those external things that are causing that internal strife. And until you deal with them, it's only you're it's it's like self-sabotaging yourself, which for me caused more and more frustration, which caused me to loathe myself, which only it's like detonating a nuclear bomb inside your anxiety just increasing it exponentially. So that's why every day I'm doing, like, man, you can say it's mumbo-jumbo or what. I'm doing those positive affirmations. I'm do, I'm reminding myself, man, God loves me. God created me. God has a purpose for me. I, God, you know, God made me unique. God knew me in the womb. Uh, you know, I, you know, I am smart. I am blessed. You know, I am saying those things. I am reminding myself. I am, I'm doing the opposite of self-loathing. And, and maybe that's the root of your anxiety today. Is you have a regret. Or you've made a mistake. Or there's a relationship that broke down. Or you've lost something. And if we're being honest, you hate yourself for it. And you've not forgiven yourself. And the dust may have settled, and you may have already dealt with the emotional and the physical and the financial consequences of all that, or maybe you're still in the midst of that. 
sooner or later, it doesn't matter what you did. You've got to believe, you've got to confess that to the Lord and allow Him to forgive you. And if God has forgiven you, and we know that He does, His Word promises that, that if we confess our sins, He forgives us our sins and cleanses, cleanses us of our unrighteousness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, part of that cleansing is forgiving ourselves letting go of that guilt and that shame. Now, a lot of times that guilt and shame hangs around because we haven't confessed it to the Lord. We haven't made restitution. And we haven't been honest with ourselves. And that is the absolute key. And it takes me back to how this all started, this Facebook post that started last night. People that come unhinged at the root are not being honest with themselves. That they're broken and they're hurting and they can't do it alone. And that's why I started this group and that's why we're all on this journey together. You cannot do it alone. So if you are listening to this, if you're a member of the Heath Mulligan Project group on Facebook. If you're, uh, I encourage you to send me a message. You can post in the group. It's something you're struggling with. Uh, if you are... Uh, if you're not in that group and you're just listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to join that group. It's a safe place. Hey, being a pastor... Um, you know, you you have. It's almost like attorney-client privilege. I mean, we we don't. Um, it, there might be something you need to confess to another human being. And I, as a pastor, as a friend, I, I'm a safe place for that. And I, there might be repercussions, and there might be things you need to deal with. And I'm more than happy to walk with you on that journey. And so we got to get started somewhere, and uh, today could be your day. So, God bless you. Know that you're loved. Know that this voice that you're hearing, I might be somebody that you've never met personally. But you need to understand that I have a tremendous amount of love and respect for you. And I want nothing but the best for you. And I believe that we each have within us this God-given potential to, to change the world. To instill love and joy in ourselves and in our children and in our neighbors and in our co-workers. And these people that we see in the world, we see the world coming unhinged right before our eyes. And we see these people, this uncontrollable rage. And God has called us to be ministers of reconciliation. He, have call, he has called us, he has commandeered us to be his ambassadors of peace and love and joy, to speak truth and calm and rest 
to the unrest that we're seeing. Now, I'm not talking about overlooking the issues that our country and our society is dealing with. I'm talking about seeing the hurt in people and helping them find healing instead of the rage. So, again, have a great day. Love you guys. We'll see you soon.